You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The NHL season is packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Just bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 191 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday, hump day Wednesday, almost there, gang, halfway. Hope everybody's doing well. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Yeah, guys. Uh, Kind of on short notice again. We're flying by the seat of our pants here lately. Uh, I've got back from vacation. I haven't really gotten to the groove yet. I got to get some. Uh, I got to get some interviews done and in the can, so to speak, so I can, uh, you know, I can bring you guys some stuff. I'm gonna talk. I've talked to some certain players. Trying guys. Uh, trying to line things up. People's schedules just aren't working. Um, supposed to have something tonight. It's just not working out. Um, I am recording. It is now nine thirty Tuesday night, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to have something out Wednesday morning and, uh, you know, I got to go to bed too at some point. Um, so I will, uh, I'm recording this sort of, uh, last minute. I hate to do it to you guys. Um, once again, the, uh, the handy dandy trusty list. Hey, Timmy. List guy Tim will be pumped. But once again, the, uh, the folder comes through. Um, I'm actually, it's funny, because like I said, I have I have a couple cats that send me lists and different articles to, to use and, and over the over the last little while, and um, basically I just saved the links, and uh, I put them all in a folder, in a Word doc, and yeah, and they're sitting there waiting for just times like this, so, uh, and it, it, so it works out, it saves my ass, um, you know, it's kind of lazy, but at the same time, Although at the same time, I think, you know, from what I can tell, people enjoy the list. Well, maybe Tim doesn't, but, um, or through gritted teeth, he says he does. But I mean, I'm sure he'll crack one of his IPAs, his fucking, you know, whatever, his fruity taint ale or whatever the fuck he drinks. Um, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll grin and bear the list, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, um, 
Like I said, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, yeah, hopefully I can, we can, I can line some stuff up. Um, I do have some, um, I'm doing research. Um, it's for an older retired player. So that's, a, and it's, it's a seventies guy. So it's a little, it's, I mean, I know who he is. I've seen some of his fights and stuff, but it's kind of, you know, anything in the seventies kind of out of my wheelhouse, right? I mean, that, you know, I was just in diapers at that point when he was playing. So, um, and I mean, I've done some research. I know who he is. I'm looked it up, but, um, I want to do the interview justice as well. So I, I've went to a couple like, old fight historian guys that know far more than I do and just kind of like, Hey, what, you know, if you're, what should I ask them? And I don't want to leave anything out. Cause they'll be like, Oh, well, you forgot to talk about, uh, you know, back in, uh, you know, 76 and, uh, you know, in, uh, in Minnesota, that home and home series, remember it's like, fuck no, you know, so that's why I'm asking you. Right. So, um, you know, so I, I went to people far smarter than me and, uh, with the hockey history, and, um, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm compiling a very solid list of questions and, um, no. And like I said, I got a couple guys that down the line here in the not, in the not too distant future, hoping to get on and, uh, get back on the, get back on the interview train. Like I said, I know, uh, you know, I thank everybody for tuning in. I know the, the solo episodes are fun and whatever, but, um, I do want to bring you guys some interviews as well. Um, I also have Anthony out in Las Vegas, um, who has agreed to do my next season ticket series. Um, we're going to be discuss- we're going to be covering, I believe it's the 2009, 2010 East coast hockey league season. So, um, I'm looking forward to doing that. The last one I did was an 0506 UHL season with Jay in Iowa out in Quad City there. And, uh, that was met with some, uh, really positive feedback and Jay was a great guest really in depth, really knew the league that year. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Like I said, I basically just sat back and kind of just tossed out names now and again, like I had Tourette's or something, but, um, yeah, with Anthony, same thing. I talked to him for a long time the other night on the phone, kind of explained what I wanted to do. And, uh, and he was a, uh, Las Vegas Wrangler, um, season ticket holder. So, um, you know, we'll talk and, you know, of course, Vegas is near and dear to my heart, of course, but, uh, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, with Wranglers being the home base, that's what we all know the most. But, um, you know, we'll talk about other teams and uh, and different guys. And, and I think I it'll be fun. Like I said, it's something different. Um, you know, obviously, we'll still focus on the fighting. But, you know, there'll be other things as well. So, um, looking forward to doing that. Should probably, I'm going to try to record with him this weekend. Um, so, it, may, it might be out Sunday, maybe. We'll see. But, uh Anyway, guys, like I said, um, hang out. Like I said, if you, I, I've had a couple people, like, I think they're kind of getting tired of the solo episodes. I get it. But, uh, you know, like I said, li- you know, life gets in the way, fellas. And, uh, you know, trying. But uh, you can't make them come to the phone, right? So, um, and I'm not chasing people around. So, you know, whatever. Um, but like I said, schedules just don't work sometimes. And, uh, you know, they have lives too, right? So, um, uh, yeah. So, but you know, I'll get you, I'll get you. But, uh, before I get into, uh, actually today's episode, well, before I get into that, obviously we're going to talk about the sponsors. Um, member of the hockey podcast network There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, all the teams are represented, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you, of course, with the trade deadline coming and playoffs coming. And so they will be hot and heavy and, and everything else. But, uh, yeah. So whatever team you're a fan of. There is a show for you. Um, also, for my off-network friends, of course, you got Part-Time Oli down there in Florida. Um, you know, rocking and rolling with the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, yeah, no, he is releasing an interview with Jack Gregg tomorrow. Um, he's had Jack on before. Great guest. Minor League Tough Guy back in the day, in the 90s and stuff. Um, he's also, he's a coach now. And uh, I believe this interview is going to be a little more about, like, just current hockey and the differences and the coaching and stuff. So... That'll be coming out as um, as we're recording. I think Alex said Wednesday or Thursday. So definitely I'll check that out. Um, and uh, in the meantime, uh, actually give his YouTube channel a, 
a look-see, the Five for Fighting YouTube channel. Um, he's got a lot of uh, East Coast League fights on there, a lot of current stuff. He actually just put an excellent Matthew Gagnon fight from last year up. Tremendous tilt. Um, but yeah, subscribe to his channel. We're trying to get Alec to a 1,000 subscribers. So um, definitely, uh, you know, hopefully you guys can do that for us. And uh, yeah, for sure, check check out his channel. I know it's current stuff. Believe, Yeah, here I am pumping current stuff. It's hard to believe. But yeah, it's been some really solid tilts this year, though. I got to, yay, I got to give, yay, you know. If you're going to sit there, yeah, I mean, you got to, uh, you got to give props where they're due. And the kids came out swinging this year. There's no, there's no denying that. Although I think, that, you know, they've, they've hit a fucking roadblock here. I don't think there's been a fight in about 15 games in the Everblades. So, but I think, uh, I think Alex said Newbar has been looking for one. And I think, uh, Travis Howe is in the lineup tomorrow. So we could have a, third tilt of the year between those two hopefully somebody got to get out the snide here 15 games with no fights are you serious like come on Ugh. but definitely give the channel a look-see and then of course out in new york in the heart of it all downtown broadway msg the world's most famous arena Carlosito. Broadway Joe Lazito, Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander-based podcast. Uh, again, tremendous back catalog. You've heard me talk about it. Vakota, Ash, and Bolton, Strudwig. Check it out. Joe's been around the block. He knows what's happening. Actually, in all seriousness, um, just released an episode today. It was really, really solid. Um, I'm about ha- about halfway through, give or take, three quarters. Um, and, of course, he has like, oh, Yuka from Finland on and um and they talk about um Andre Skrupko and he was a minor league tough guy and he's from the Ukraine and uh he's in his late 40s now and he was coaching the Ukraine junior team and everything and uh and of course with everything the conflict and everything that's going on over there he picked up picked up arms and he's uh fighting for his country at almost 50 years old and uh and, and he's Yuka's friend from over there and, uh, you know, haven't, and like Yuka said, you know, you know, you don't hear from him. So you don't know what's going on over there. You don't know, um, you know, how the battle's going and, uh, you know, scary and scary stuff. And, um, well, I mean, what more, I mean, it's just, it's sad and just, I, I really hope that they can come up with a conflict or conflict, come up with a resolution to the conflict and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, I, you know, what, what do you say at this point, right? I mean, it's, it's just really sad. And, um, uh, and I felt bad for, and, and listening. And, and I know you can, I've talked about that privately. And I, you know, and I, and I've, I felt, I felt sad for you to listen to the episode. I know it's his friend and he's worried about him. And, and of course, being in Finland where he is, they're right on the border. Like, I mean, like you said, uh, Russia's a three hour drive from where he lives. And, um, you know, and it's, it's a scary time, um, right now. And, uh, yeah, my, uh, my heart goes out to everybody out, out, uh, out Yuka's way there in the European countries and in the Ukraine. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's just a real sad situation. And, uh, and I think Joe, Joe and Yuka did a really good job with this episode and really brought, um, brought home the, the conflict in terms of, just how it's affected just you know it's one thing oh you're 18 or you're 19 and you enlist in the army and i mean it's still scary but i mean that's what you signed up for and you know okay but when you're a freaking you know retired hockey player and a hockey coach and all of a sudden you got to pick up arms and and go to war and i mean you got kluchka the boxers going and you have olympians that are now fighting and and just you know every every able-bodied male is picking up arms and they're ready to rumble the Russians. It's just like, I mean, you know, the, the guts and the courage that these people have is amazing, but it's just, it's just, it's just, it's sad that it's come to that. Right. And, um, uh, I mean, I, I have no words. What, what can I say that, you know, everyone doesn't feel right. I mean, everyone, yeah. I mean, you just turn on the news and just, ugh, you know, so, you know, and it, um, yeah, so 
like I said, I'm about halfway, three quarters away through the episode. I had it on the truck and at work, and um, and it was one of those I didn't want to. Because a lot of times I'll play the episodes, but I got to get in and out and in and out, and I didn't want to really miss anything. So I kept I would pause it before I got out, so because um, I didn't want to you know uh, miss any of the episodes. So it'll take me a little bit. I'll get through it tomorrow, but uh, yeah, definitely check that out. It's a very it's a really well, it's a, it's a it's a really good episode, but you know what I'm saying though. It sounds so weird to say it that way, but um, it's a really powerful episode, and uh, you know, and I'm just for everybody over there. I hope you know Screwco and all them, and all those guys, all the boys come home safe, and um, you know, or and just yeah, hopefully they can come up with a resolution and and just stop this, and you know, yeah. What more does it say, right, folks? But uh, definitely, like I said, Joe, Joe and them did a great job, uh, and it was it was great of Joe to cover that and uh, give Yuka the platform. It was it was it was really cool to hear, and um, I enjoyed the stories so far. And uh, yeah, good job, guys. Like I said, I won't. Uh, I think the time for humor is probably not right now. So uh, in, in terms of that, but um, yeah, it, it was a very solid episode. Joe once again does a great job, and and Yuka, I've had it. He's been on my show, um, and and he always does a great job. I actually would have had him on twice, and um, yeah, bang up, good a couple of good hockey dudes right there telling telling some uh, telling some good stories. But uh, yeah, there you go, folks. The Coliseum Chronicles and the Five for Fighting podcast. Give those guys a listen, and uh, yeah. All right, boys and girls, what are we gonna get out here? Well. Um, like I said, I've, I've, dick, I've, uh, opened up the tickle trunk here and, uh, hit some, uh, hit some, uh, hit links and, uh, my link today is the toughest Calgary Flames of all time. So that'll be, uh, we'll have, we'll have a look-see at that. Other than that, guys, um, I always keep saying, we're going to keep this episode short and then I ramble for an hour and a half. No, this episode actually will be very short. Like I said, um... I, I had uh, some things planned out and they didn't really work out. And like I said, as I'm talking, it is now 9.45 Tuesday night and I still have to edit this. Well, edit, I'm air quotes, edit, you know, it, not so much editing. I just have to add my music to it and my ad read and then upload it. And then I have to make show graphics. So that'll take some time. So I am not going to stay up uh, or I'm not going to ramble on for too long here. I will say before I get going any further, I had put up on social media, I had to go to Walmart today after, uh, to, uh, grocery shopping right after work just to pick up some few things. And as I'm leaving, of course, they got, you know, the, the impulse purchases right before you go into the tills and they have a whole thing of, uh, the new Lay's potato chips. And one of the flavors was cucumber. Exactly. Um, my wife is a my wife loves cucumbers, right? So I'm looking at them and I'm kind of cucumber. And I'm I got the, of course I guess, I'm sure the look on my face probably said it all. But there was a uh, a guy comes up and he grabs a bag of cucumber. He looks at me for a second. He looks again and he can see me staring at the cucumber because there's like it was what is it? It was flavors of China or something. And they had like it was Lay's and they had like five different flavors and I can't I can't even remember because I was fixated on the cucumber ones I can't even remember what the other flavors were and he um yeah and he grabbed yeah he actually grabbed like two bags of the cucumber ones and he's like oh trust me they're really good and I'm like seriously he's like yeah I'm like all right so whatever either two bucks what the fuck right so I threw them in the cart and whatever brought them home and yeah the wife's just all over them she's loving them and uh, I'll say they're as advertised. They t- like they taste like cucumber. Of course, like the one guy online said, "Well, what do you think they were going to taste like?" I'm like, I know, but I, like I was sort of assuming kind of like a sour cream and onion kind of thing. But uh, yeah, no, it's they legitimately taste like cucumber. And like I said, and of course it's a potato chip, so it's like this is odd. It just feels weird eating them. I don't know. I'm not a big fan. I don't. I I, I just kind of put the. I had a couple. You know, that I was just like, I gave the bag to the wife. I said, it's all, it's all you. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Cucumber Lays. Sure you're thrilled about that. Hey, March Madness is right around the corner. Starts uh, starts Thursday. Anybody want to hear about my bracket? 
No, uh, Sunday on the Sunday show, I'll talk about my bracket. I'll talk my my already blown up bracket on Sunday. Is Gonzaga going to win it all, folks? That's the we'll see. They're the favorite once again. They screwed me last year. Had them winning last year, and they lost in the final. But this is a hockey podcast. I don't even know what this is anymore. This mud show. I don't know. I don't know. Is it? Is it? I guess it's a hockey podcast. But we're kind of falling on hard times around here. I don't know. We're talking about Vegas and what was the last episode? I was sitting in the dark yelling out. Well, I'm still sitting in the dark. I have left the darkness though, but I'm still sitting. I'm sitting in the dark yelling out the window again. Um, yeah, <laughs> cucumber chips, March Madness. Oh, I'll tell you. I will say before we get into the list of the the Flames' toughest guys. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm serious this time. I'm literally not going to keep you guys here for very long. Um, I, a couple months ago, I was at the Value Village, at the old thrift store here, and uh, do you know what I found for uh, $3? Thunder and Lightning, John Ferguson's autobiography, and uh, yeah, I just, I'd forgotten I had gotten it, and I was just going to go through it on my, I was going through my bookshelf. Uh, why the hell was I going through my bookshelf? Oh, yeah, when I flew, the, when I went to Vegas there, um, I wanted to book for the plane. And Tyler, or Tyler, pardon me, Taylor had sent me, um, Sean Thornton's new book. I talked about that already on, the, on a past episode. So I grabbed it, but as I was kind of going through it, I, uh, there was a stack of books, and I'm like, oh, I should, like, put these on the bookshelf in the proper, you know, because they were like, Stacked on top of each other. And I'm like, okay, it's a bookshelf, idiot. Let's put it so you can see the spines and read everything. So as I was putting them away in the proper order, I I came across this Ferguson book. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So the other uh, the other day when I was briefly uh, sitting in the, uh, or sitting on the, or in the office, the other office, the porcelain office, I had, this book is now flagged. I can't return it now. But, uh. I just kind of briefly was like just flipping pages, kind of reading it real quick. And yeah, there's some interesting, uh, he has a couple fight stories in here that I briefly saw. And, um, I'm going, I, so I started reading this and, uh, hopefully I will have it done by the end of the week. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to do my review on the John Ferguson book. And like I said, it's, it's one of those interesting, like I said, obviously before my time as a player, I never saw Ferguson. I've seen video of him. Um, and of course, you know, the, the stories are legendary. I mean, he's always sort of referred to as, um, the original enforcers. So, um, you know, it, it's something I'm really looking forward to, uh, to learning about, um, you know, and just, uh, you know, reading his thoughts and stuff and yeah, it'll be cool. I know some of the old timers, always cling to the idea that Ferguson, they always say, oh, Ferguson, he was the only guy that retired undefeated. It's like, well, okay. I, I And hey, he may have, he certainly may have. Um, uh, you know, that, again, um, you know, product of the era and stuff. But, uh, you know, now again, when I'm, when we're talking eras and stuff, Am I putting up John Ferguson against Tony Twist? Well, probably not, but, you know, a little different. But uh, Ferguson was a heck of a player, too, though. Multiple 20-goal seasons and won a few cups with the Canadians. So, yeah, it's just um, just one of those things, right? You can't, it's like going, what we always say, you know, what I always say around here, it's like you really can't compare eras. It's not fair. So, um, but for his time period, yeah, one of the baddest dudes for sure. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading about Fergie and, uh, I'll, I'll report back my findings, but, uh, yeah, guys, let's get into this, you know, we'll, we'll check it out. What's the, uh, okay, here we go. We'll open it up. It's from Flames Nation. Now it's 2020, so it's not that old. Scroll through. The 10 Most Effective Tough Guys in Calgary Flames History, December 5th, 20, 
Why do NHL teams keep him forces around in today's day and age? Well, in short, they don't. Fighting is still around, and it always will be until the players collectively change their minds about it. But truthfully, the role of a pure fighter has been replaced, or rather, it's been altered. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Of the old smite division back in the 80s, all are all but extinct in 2020s NHL. However, it's not to say physicality has lost its value. There is still a need to be balanced between those attributes and real hockey ability. Okay. Sure. This isn't a list of the most feared fighters to ever don the flaming sea. If that were the case, Stu Grimson would qualify despite spending just five games with the Flames. Okay. Uh, no, today we were looking for elusive players who managed to rile up their opponents and the saddle them faithful on a consistent basis while also proving their worth with the puck. To qualify as an effective tough guy, a player has to have routinely pr- provide a tangible spark with hard hits and even fights, but also combining hockey ability and sheer physicality to control to take control over the game. We will be taking a look at 10 players who, over the course of the Flames' 40-year history in Calgary, have filled the roles with the greatest ability. This list is in no order. Okay, well, all right, we'll start scrolling here. I get what he's what he's saying. It's kind of it's tip, eh, whatever. It's typical new age writer. I'm sure at the at the bottom, this this guy is probably about twenty twenty one years old. Like he's not complete, he's not shitting on the role, but it's kind of. Oh, here's this Mike Gould. Yeah, I'm looking at him. Yeah, he looks like he's about 19, 20. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm like Calgary Grimson with the Flames. He probably wasn't even born yet. Uh, here we go. Start scrolling. What do we got? No order, right? Okay. Tim Hunter. Well, it's a good start. Yeah. Um, Mark, Dave, and Dale all came from the same household in Ontario, but in 1982 they were joined by another Hunter, this one from Calgary, who played for his hometown team and who wore the Hunter name... And with the most authenticity, Tim Hunter routinely went toe to toe both on and off. Went toe went toe to toe gloves both on and off with the likes of Probert, Semenko, and Kordic. Both renowned for his defensive ability, Hunter quickly established himself as a fixture on the Flames depth chart, both at even strength and on the penalty kill. He played eleven seasons in Calgary, winning a Cup in '89. Uh, Hunter remains to this day the franchise's all-time leader with 2,400 penalty minutes. Yeah, I mean, what? well, we'll do the list here and then we'll... Well, no, should I just... Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, what more can I offer about Tim Hunter? Yeah, like I said, the guy played forever. Um, hometown guy. Um, tough dude. And I mean, it was always in those Battle of Alberta. I mean, of course, it's, you know, there's legendary picture of him and Samanko all the time. You know, that one where they're kind of shoulder to shoulder, kind of smirking at each other. Um, but yeah, those two were sort of the two you know, the main tough dudes that would always find themselves in those brawls. And and Hunter actually always got, you know, a lot of the times got the better of Semenko. Like, Semenko, despite landing a bunch of cheap shots on Hunter, you know, with the knee lift, and then he threw that sucker punch at him during, you know, when they were getting broken up. But um, Hunter always fared really well against uh, Semenko. And uh, Hunter was one of those guys. I know from reading a lot of stuff, especially in the, like they said in 82 when he started, um, Hunter was one of those early big workout guys. He was a real big gym rat, which back in the back, it sounds so funny to say now, but back in the day, it was kind of a rare thing, right? And, uh, yeah, I know he's a real workout guy. And, uh, yeah, if you go and watch his fights, he's kind of a grappler guy. Um, uh, wasn't overly big. I think Hunter's only about six foot two. Um, but obviously really strong, you know, so he'd do a lot of wrestling and stuff and cross gripping and he had a really unique, um, a unique, uh, style. But uh, really effective. Um, yeah. Tim Hunter, bad dude, man. Ronnie Stern. That's cool. Okay, boy. I got to give the writer credit. Ronnie. Um, yeah, after bouncing around the Canucks system for a few years, Stern became a flame in 91 trade deadline. Uh, emerged as a quality depth score, scorer for the Flames, routinely posting 10 or more goals in a season during a very low offensive era for hockey. He said his best pace in the lockout season when he scored nine goals in 39 games. Good for six of the team. 
Stern was a dependable third-line forward who contributed every year at even strength and on the penalty kill. He could also hang with the toughest players in the NHL despite his relatively unassuming six-foot stature. Stern weighed about 200 pounds, and he had to use all his strength in his battles with McCarty, Basil McRae, Cronin, and Probert. He made a flame until 97 when he joined the Sharks. Yeah, man, Stern, uh, underrated guy, flies under the radar for a lot of people. Um, I just posted a really good fight with him. Um, oh, him and Mike Eagles. That was a good toe-to-toe one. Um, you know, not, you know, no, Eagles is a gutsy guy. It wasn't like it was, you know, fucking war the heavyweights or anything, but, uh, no, Stern got into some good toe-to-toe battles, man. I was I was always a fan of Stern, like a solid body checker. Um, no, I'm I'm not gonna see. That's the thing, and I always say this with the, in case for the newer listeners of these. But whenever I do these lists, I didn't. I'm opening. I'm discovering this list for the first time, just as you guys are listening. I I don't ever look at the links. Whatever I click the links, and so you're getting my actual honest reaction to these lists. So I haven't had, like if I had time, I would go research Stern's fight card and I could have given you some highlights from over his career. But so this is sort of catching me, like I said, off guard. Um, so I didn't have prep time, but um, so I can't list you off all of Ronnie's greatest hits or anything. But um, yeah, no, I, I dig Stern. He was cool, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, tons of his fights are on YouTube and stuff. Seriously, do yourself a favor and check out Ronnie Stern. He had some really good toe-to-toe battles. Next on the list here, Gary Roberts. Yeah, um, in his heyday, Roberts of the Tank on skates today he still is after retiring in 09. Roberts opened up the Gary Roberts High Performance Center and Fitness Institute in Toronto and has since earned a reputation as one of the most esteemed personal trainers for NHL athletes. Yeah, I think he works with, does a lot of shit with McDavid and Crosby, I believe. Um... Roberts learned about fitness the hard way when he singled out by then Flames coach Badger, uh, Bob Johnson for his poor conditioning at his first NHL camp in 84. Uh, Roberts earned the reputation as one of the league's fiercest battlers after cracking the lineup in 86, dedicating himself to an intense fitness regimen and recording over 200 minutes in each of his first five full seasons. And he was able to back up his rough and tumble style with a knack of scoring goals, recording 39, 53, 38, 41. He helped the Flames capture the 89 Stanley Cup. Perhaps Robert's toughest battle in his career came with the chronic neck issues he faced during his tenure with the Flames. This injury forced him to retire in 96, shortly after he made the, a short-lived comeback from an injured reserve and captured the Masterson Trophy for perseverance and dedication. Once again, Roberts fought his way back, returning to the NHL with the Hurricanes in 97, and spent 13 more seasons in the league with five more teams after his initial retirement. Yeah, Roberts is a bad dude, man, and I think when people talk about power forwards... For, I think he sort of gets left out of the conversation. And like I said, just read, read you like 200 minutes for five straight seasons and then 39, 53, 38, 41 goal seasons. Like that's, that's, that's shit's going down when he's out there. And again, great fights, never backed down, had really great fights with Peruby, really good one with Todd Gill. Um, yeah, man, I, I dig Gary Roberts. I mean, that's the thing when you say power forwards, everybody like, oh, like, well, Neely and Tockett and Wendell Clark and Shanahan. Um, and of course, that's all true, but, um, uh, Roberts actually doesn't, his name doesn't come up very often. And, uh, and it should, cause, yeah, man, he was, uh, he was a bad dude. I always thought it was really cool when, um, um, oh, I completely lost my train. When Pittsburgh brought him in. Um, right, you know, right when he was right, right at the end, I think it was like his, might've been his last year, but I think he was 40 or 41 and I don't think they won, but they always, but I think they won the next, I think that was when they won their next couple of years. And I think it was Crosby who always sort of really credited Gary Roberts for, um, for coming in and just like kind of showing him the way and how to do it. And, and, uh, yeah, man, Gary Roberts, bad dude, big fan. Uh, next on the list, I'll say Sandy McCarthy. I gotta give this guy credit. His list is pretty good. Sandy McCarthy, one of the NHL's toughest customers in the '90s. McCarthy debuted at the Flames in '93, selected 52nd overall. Spent five seasons with the teams, grinding away, imposing 6'3", 230 pound frame. Um, very few players could stand up to peak McCarthy. He's always exclusively took on the Grimsons, Proverts, and Brashears of the league. He came out on top of most of these bouts. He also managed to contribute offensively at a respectable bottom six rate, both at even strength and special teams. Um, McCarthy hung around the league until 04. 
Uh, spent time with Tampa, Philly, Carolina, Rangers, and Boston. Yeah, I mean, I always say with Sandy, it's too bad. He sort of, I think injuries, and I don't, you know, I think he just he just ran out of gas, and he kind of, he, he fizzled, he flamed out pretty fast. But uh, when he first came up, the, like they said, these those first few, uh, those, all the seasons there in Cal, the five seasons in Calgary, and then <clears throat> um, his run there in Tampa, Sandy was top guy, man, bad dude. Um, yeah, he took it to Probert. Couple of those fights had a great fight with, um, yeah, with all the, with the guys listed. Um, tremendous fight with Jim McKenzie. Great fight with McSorley. Um, yeah, Sandy was a bad dude, and I mean, I know on some of the message boards, I think you know some of the Boston guys, Sandra, you know, and all that stupid shit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he like he said, he was at the end of the line at that point, but um, you know, time had caught up to him, but. Uh, yeah, at, at, at when he first came to the league, he was a top guy. Those 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 years in Calgary, those after you know, yeah, Tampa, really good fight with Twist too in Tampa. Um, Sandy was a bad dude, man, legit. Next on the list, Lucic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, nobody's defending Lucic's contract. Flames own five million in each of the next three seasons. Uh, unless it's used the wave, the Flames have to buy him out by protecting him in 2021. Uh, but by trading James Neal of the Oilers last July, Lucci just serviced the most publicized third round pick in history. Flames added one of the toughest customers in the league who can do some genuinely good work with the puck. Lucci is an effective passer who sets up his line mates with quickness and accuracy. Um, sure, he's not the most agile player. I once heard a Saddleham spectator call him Lurch instead of Luch. But he can't keep he can keep up in a straight line. He improved mightily as the season went on. Will probably remain a fixture on the second power play unit. He had 198 hits this season, good for 12th in the league. He used a 6'3", 230 pound frame to his advantage down low and in front of the net. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? I mean Lucic will forever be kind of known, you know, with that contract and. Yeah, it's tough, and he had some kind of rough years. Oh, in Edmonton, he had some. Well, the first year he was in Edmonton, he was all right, but after that, it was like, man, oh man, that's like what was the one year he had six goals, and he went to Calgary and had eight, and yeah, and everybody was just shitting all over him. I think he was going through. I think there were some personal issues there. I think when his dad passed away, and there was some stuff going on there, you know, some off ice issues. But um, I don't know. I think this. Not that I'm paying. You know, I don't watch hockey anymore, or whatever. But I do know the Flames. Are playing really well this year, and uh, I, I know just from listening to the guys at work, Lucic has really been pulling his weight, and you know I think um, I think what did I just like ten goals or whatever, like he's you know he's doing all right, and you know still a physical force. He's had a couple good fights this year. Um, I don't know somebody whenever anybody talks about toughest guy in the league, everybody throws out Reeves and stuff. I don't know, I'd still like if, I don't man, I want Lucic and Reeves to fight is what I want to happen. Um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd put money on Lucic to win that fight. Still, Lucic just still got a little gas left in the tank. Um, I've been a big Lucic fan since his, his Western Hockey League days with the Vancouver Giants. And like I said, I got friends out in Vancouver. I know Chris and Tony. You guys are listening out there. Yeah, I mean, I remember you guys. I remember talking to you guys. You like, you got to see this dude we got out here. This Lucic kid, man, he's a force. But at the time, can you imagine they had Lucic, Matt Cassian, and like Garrett Hunt. All on the same team. It was like, Jesus. Giants had a tough team. They were fun to watch. Those DVDs are great. And, uh, but yeah, I've been a, I've been a fan. I've been a fan of Lucci since he was 17 years old. And, uh, or 16, I guess. And, uh, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun seeing his NHL career the way it's gone. And, you know, I'm not going to sit and, sh- I'm not going to bullshit. I'm a, I'm a Lucic guy. So, I mean, I'm sure my, my opinion will probably be, you know, gee, I always get on the fans for, you know, and their fandom and everything else. Yeah, I got fandom for Lucci. I, I mean, I have no problem saying, like, is he over? Yeah, he's over. He has a really good agent. He's overpaid and, you know, and all that. I'm not going to, you know, I can't, you can't really defend that. But, I mean, you know, he's he's probably one of the, well, he is one of the toughest guys in the league. Um, could, now, I think if you were paying Lucci $2 million a year, you'd be happy. But at five, and he's only, you know, for $5 million a year, you should probably be scoring more than, you know, eight, nine, ten goals, but you know, whatever. But he's up there and hits, and uh, he will not. I mean, intimidating and run people over, and he's 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 a motherfucker, man. When he's mad and he bullies people around, that's when he's at his best. And you know, and he's a mean dude. Lucic can be mean. 
Uh, he said even like when they were in the playoffs there, and he was they were shaking hands, and he shit all over was it Weiss and and Subban and them, and everybody got mad at him for it. And it was I remember thinking why? Why do you have to like these people? You don't have to have any respect for them. They're not on your team. Why do you have to like them? It's not classy. Oh well. He just told them that he didn't he didn't like them and that they're gonna fucking get it the next year. So I mean I don't know. Gives a shit. I, I never thought there was anything wrong with that, you know. But apparently if you don't send them at people out of boo bouquets and like their Instagram posts, you're a meanie, you know. But yeah, he is. He's an asshole. And that's when he plays his best is when he's being an asshole. And um Yeah, I mean I'm a Lucic guy. I'm not gonna hide that, you know. Yeah. I'm happy. I hope the flame I I'd love to see the I mean, not in the grand scheme do I give a shit, no, but if they're like pick a team to win the Stanley Cup, yeah, I'd be down with Calgary to win the Stanley Cup. Why not? You know, and uh I'd love to see Lucic uh win another cup. That'd be sweet. Jim Poplinski. There you go. Today, Poplinski is well-known in Calgary and, and other large Canadian cities for a successful commercial vehicle leasing company bearing his name. However, back in the 80s, Poplinski made his name known for many ways a member of the Flames. Pepper served as the Flames co-captain from 84 to 89, led by example both as a solid offensive contributor and a physical force to be reckoned with. Yeah, they... Uh... As it's squaring up, he had to squaring up against that guy in his prime. Well, lots of the toughest guys in the NHL did, including Probert, McSorley, and Manson. Poplinski spent 10 seasons at the Flames as a tough-scoring winger, recording 30 goals and at least 15 goals on five other occasions. He retired after playing just six games in 89 after, before making a brief comeback in 94 and retiring again after six contests. Yeah, I mean, Poplinski was one of those guys, right? Like I said, during the Battle of Alberta, he was always in it. Um... I have a few of his fights on video. I don't remember, like I remember him fighting and stuff in the Alberta, in the Battle of Alberta. Those, well, that's all he did was battle away. Um, I didn't realize he was a 30 goal guy. Um, but yeah, one of those just, one of those solid foot soldier guys that, you know, that, well, they won the cup in 89. It's just, that, those are the guys you win the cups with. And, um, yeah, physical guy would fight when needed. Um, I know he's been, he's been really hugely successful after with life after hockey. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't sit here and like give you a rundown of his entire career. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not really up to date with, I know one time when I was going to do a power forward tournament on Twitter, his name, I was asking Steve and Dave and a couple of them about, you know, God, give me some names for this tournament, you know, cause I was, oh, Shannon Neely, blah, 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 the, you know, the right usual suspects and they both, Poplinski and I was kind of ripped. Really? Plinsky. And I went and looked it up, and he had far more fights than I thought he did. I was like, really? I didn't realize he fought this much. Um, but yeah, there you go. One of those, one of the grit guys. Next on the list. Oh, last. Oh, no, a few more. There you go. Brian McGratton. Oh, okay. Uh, look, all the other guys in the list scored at least 10 goals in a season at least a couple times. McGratton scored 10 goals in his entire career. For the list, is supposed to be at least in part about hockey, really. This selection seems like it might be a bit of a stretch. But I'm sorry, I just can't leave him off. McGratton's a fun character on the 09-2010 team, but he ascended into legendary status when he returned in 2013. He scored seven of those 10 goals in 95 games, and he played over... Played over the 2012 to 2014 seasons while reigning undefeated as a heavyweight champ in the NHL. A salute to the crowd following a bout with Vancouver's Tom Zacito and his return to Calgary. A move that earned him a 10 minute of his conduct remains an indelible moment in Flames lore. McGratton's biggest impact on the Flames and in the NHL has arguably come off the ice. After battling a drinking problem during his time with the Senders and Coyotes, McGratton sought help with the substance abuse program and signed with the Flames for the first time in the summer of 09, six months into his sobriety. Big Earn has since earned has since become a respected mentor for fellow NHLers battling similar addictions, helping former teammate Jordan Tutu in Nashville before coming to Calgary a second time and aiding with Michael Furland's turnaround. 
The Flames added him to their player development staff in 2017 in a player assistance role, giving him the opportunity to fight hard off the ice for those in need. Yeah, man, that's um, that's the biggest thing. That was that was really cool that the Flames did that. Um, that they that they have that position, and it would be really nice that if more teams would do that. And like I said, and I think it's it's one. And I mean, I know it's available to all the guys and whatever, but I think when it comes from an ex player that's gone through it, I think it probably carries more weight with the boys. Um, so that's really cool that McGratton's still involved in the team and doing that. Like I said, is the the stuff with Tutu and Verlin there has been well documented. Um, but yeah, I know Brant Myers is doing a similar type job in LA. I don't think he's doing that anymore. I don't know what happened there, but. Um, I know he's still sober and everything, but I, you know, maybe, I don't know if they just, you know, cut the position or whatever, but, or, well, clearly they did, but, um, or like, I don't know if he walked away from it or whatever, but regardless, um, it's, I think it's something that every team should have. Um, you know, I mean, all these teams have plenty of money. They can put these guys on the payroll in that position and it's much needed. And not only, I think not only from a, from a, an addiction standpoint, but just in general, just I think having a guy there to just talk to, like a player that has no ties to the coaches, like, like I think if the players know they can go to him on the, you know, on the on the down low and just kind of talk to him about a few things, they know he's not going to go to the trainer or to the coach and whatever, and you know, and and kind of narc on him. So I think um, it's a real important that'd be a very important position for teams to fill. And uh, it should definitely be something. That I, I think that it's a real quality position that the Flames have have put him in. Now, in terms of the playing, yeah, man, McGratton's a bad dude, man. Everybody knows Big Earn, and yeah, he was probably you know as, from really in the time frame, and you kind of go through the eras and whatever. I think he was probably the last kind of true, whatever you want to call it, air quotes, champ of the league. Um, you know, where it was really a defined, he's the man. And I think McGratton was, and he really was undefeated. And yeah, he was a tough dude. And, um, again, did it a long time, set the American league penalty minute record. And, um, yeah, man, I, I know the, the big, uh, salute there that, that iconic picture. Um, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I actually, I haven't put any of my pictures up, but I do have that one autographed. So that one will definitely be going up as I'm a big fan of Brian McGratton. Next up, Joel Otto. In a few ways, Joel Otto was Mike, Mark Giordano before Mark Giordano could even skate. Undrafted into the NHL with Miji State, Otto received very few offers from pro teams after graduating. Uh, ultimately, the Flames GM Cliff Fletcher offered the 23-year-old center an AHL contract. By the end of the year, Otto was more than just a regular Calgary. He scored 25 goals as a rookie and found a key role to shadow Marcel Dion, especially Mark Messier. Otto at 6'4", 220, pillar in front of the net, and on the power play, racked up 20 fights in his rookie season. Really? See there, that surprised me. I didn't realize he fought that much. Um, Tagging was openly in the playoffs with Semenko. Talk about heavyweights. Otto further established himself as a key player in the Flames' run to the Cup in '89. Sort of controversial series winning goal over the Canucks in the first round that definitely wasn't kicked in. Ended up with 19 points in 22 playoff games. He remained a Flame until he signed with the Flyers in '95. Yeah, again there, I didn't like. I've seen Otto fight a few times. Big guy, um, a really big, six four, two twenty. Um, especially for that time period. Uh, but yeah, I didn't realize he had 20 fights in his rookie year. Um, I remember the fight with Semenko. Uh, I believe, or do I? Like I said, you see so many fights, they all run together. I'm trying to think the Battle of Alberta, there were so many fights. But um, again, another one of those things. It wasn't, like I said, This I'm, I'm going on. Just I'm learning this as you guys are. So I didn't have a chance to obviously look into Joel Otto's fight card. Um, I know again that he did, I knew he did some fighting. I didn't realize he had 20 in one season though, but I thought he'd have about 60, 70 in his career. But yeah, um, that's a hell of a fuck, man. What a rookie year. 25 goals and 20 tilts. Shit. Shit. Do that shit. Now he'd be making 10 million a year. There you go. Joel Otto. Somebody, he should have wore double zero. Who's their football player? His last name was Otto. He wore double zero. That's what Joel Otto should have done. Willie Plett. There you go. Taking you way back for this one. Willie Plett and his hair 
when Lakota plays playing guitar for the Spinal Tap tribute band, but he actually proved his worth in his first real power forward and was the first real power forward with the Flames franchise in both cities. Uh, increased penalty minutes each of his six full seasons. Uh, 171, 213, 231, 238, 288. Uh, nabbed the Calder Trophy for NHL's Rookie of the Year at 77 with 33 goals and with the Atlanta Flames. Scored 91 goals over the four seasons in Atlanta before hitching a ride to Calgary with the rest of the team. Plett reached new heights offensively in Canada, scoring 38 goals, 78 games with the Flames, inaugural regular season in 80-81. And the aforementioned 288 penalty minutes. The Paraguay-born Plett found himself embroiled in a feud with then-Flames coach Al McNeil during the 81 season. Fletcher ultimately ultimately sided with McNeil in promoting him to be the Flames' Director of Player Development and Professional Scouting in the offseason. Meanwhile, Platt wound up being traded to Minnesota where he was suspended for eight games just two weeks into the first season for slashing Detroit goalie Greg Stefan right in the noggin. Uh, Stefan was a dirty shit. Um, yeah, Platt was a tremendous uh, big big guy, especially for the era. It was a big guy. Um, yeah, I have a bu- I've, yeah, I've seen a bunch of his fights in the old 70s tapes that I have. Um, yeah, like I said, was it the Atlanta Flames and stuff? Um, yeah, solid power forward. Um, again, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a Willie Plett expert. I know he had a real cascading hair and lovely flow. Um, but yeah, like I said, 20, 91 goals over four years and then 288 minutes. And um, yeah, definitely a power forward. And uh, yeah, Willie Plett. And last but not least, scrolls. Oh, and Jerome McGinley. There you go. This list isn't ranked. This list isn't ranked, but let's be real. Jerome McGinley is the king of the Flames tough guys. He's a two-time Olympic champ. Also has gold medals on his mantle from the World Juniors, two Memorial Cups, the World Championships, World Cup of Hockey. McGinley scored 625 goals and 1,300 points in the NHL. Um, he was named the NHL's best right winger in 2 08 and 09. Uh, earned these accolades at 6'1", 210 pounds. Many of Aginla's personal rivalries are legendary. He tussled against everyone from forces of the league to other teams' team stars. Look up Aginla versus Avery, uh, Bolshevin, Hatcher, and LeCavillet, and, and Ott, to name a few. You won't find just you won't find just scraps. You'll meet with dozens of stories and comments about a longtime Flames captain was a fierce and as respected battler as anybody in NHL history. Aginla didn't always fight, but when someone got him to drop the gloves, you knew the game was about to reach an entirely new level. Yeah, man, Aginla, the old, it's a it's it's a real shame he never won a cup. I know he he bounced around from team to team there, and actually when he went to Pittsburgh, I'm like, oh, for sure he's gonna win one now. But um didn't happen, which is unfortunate. But uh, what a career. I'm a massive Aginla fan. In junior, he was... Uh, if you go to my uh, YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, I have a bunch of Jerome Aginla Western Hockey League fights when he was with Kamloops. Looks great in the fights. Um, yeah, man. Again, what I, yeah, I don't know. The king of flames, tough guys. I mean, I get what he's saying because of the way they've laid the list out in terms of the player you got to be able to play a little blah 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 that you know so again love for sure but um i mean in actual terms of fighting ability is he beating sandy mccarthy or brian mcgratton no but uh, i get what they're getting at with this with the with the statement but uh yeah again when you talk about power forwards they don't get much better than, than jerome mcginla and um you know there's no arguing that so um yeah, what more, again, what more is there to say? Like I said, um, seems like a very likable guy. From everything I'm told, he's a really good dude. Um, like I said, it's one of those things. Uh, going to the Hall of Fame first ballot, but uh, it's a shame he never got a cup. And, uh, and you know, when you just think back for some of those Flames teams, he really did do it on his own a couple of years. Like, yeah, he had some centers now and again, but... There were some years it was pretty fucking lean, and he was still putting up 50, and it was just like, the dude's doing it all. He's hit, and he's got to do some fighting, and yeah, man, it's a shame he never won the cup, but yeah, what a hell of a career, and uh, yeah, I'm a big Aginla fan, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was a good, li- I gotta say, I gotta, you know, hey, that was a good list. Um, you know, certainly no no argument from me about, uh, about anybody in that list. I mean, I guess you could have, you know, who some Flames guys they might... I get Berube. Uh, uh, Cruz. Uh, Paul Baxter. Stuff like that. I mean, I guess they miss those guys. But, uh, you know, overall, 
that, that's a pretty solid list. I mean, even Poblinski and Otto, like I said, with Otto, that surprised me. I didn't realize he had 20 fights that year. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I know most of the time we do, we always say when we do the lists of this show that, uh, you kind of hope they're kind of the shit, they're kind of shitty because then they're just funny. But, uh, that, that was a pretty solid list. So I can't really take the, I can't take the steam out of that too much. So, um, yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, there's 50 minutes. Um, yeah, uh, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the, I know a, a pretty kind of, uh, straightforward episode. We didn't talk too much other than Flames Tough Guys, but, uh, you know, like I said, it, uh, it, things just didn't work out today and it was sort of a last minute deal here. So I wanted to get something out to you. I wanted to give you guys some audio pleasure that you've come to expect on Wednesdays and Sundays around here. So I didn't want to leave you hanging. So like a good teammate, I'm here for you. I'm, you know, I'll stay up late for you cats. Oh, the things I do for you people. <laughs> but, um, like I said, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, if you're on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook, give me a follow and a like and all that stuff. Check it out. I'm always putting up pictures and videos. And as I said with the YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, I have over 2,700 fights on the channel. All the NHL or NHL, OHL, WHL, whatever league you're looking for. I have everything sorted, so just type into the little search engine. Boom, everything will come up. I've just added a bunch. Actually, I added a bunch of Andre Skrupko fights today, so go check them out. Um, that, I put some NHL stuff up, some older OHL stuff. A really good Darcy Harris brand. Sugden fight from the OHL. Um, yeah, lots of stuff. Check it out. Um, I think you'll dig it. You'll find something. Go down that rabbit hole. Believe me, you'll find something. But uh, anyway, guys, whatever um, platform you're listening to this, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever it happens to be, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the searches. Um, apparently, they tell me. It's like if someone listens to, like, whatever, they listen to some hockey podcast, they'll say, oh, if you like that, you might like these shows. And the more, apparently, reviews you get, your name will pop up in, those, in that section. So, um, yeah, if you could rate and review my show, tremendous. Also, like I always say, I know it's douchey to say, but I have to say it. Uh, could you download my episodes? Please do not stream. Um, I get paid by the download. So I really do get paid by the download. So I would greatly appreciate it if you could do that. Plus, it also helps analytically. Um, you know, you just see how many, you just see how many listens you're getting and where and blah, 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 and that type of thing. So all around, it just helps me out if you do that. So I would be greatly appreciative, appreciative of that. And, uh, other than that, guys, I want to thank everybody once again. I always thank you guys, and it's and it's true. I'm not just, you know, it's not just, oh, it's on the list. i got to say it. But, uh, no, every time you guys tune in and uh, the feedback you send. If, you, if you're on social media, please send me a private message. Let me know what you think of the show, good, bad, or otherwise. If you have any ideas for the show, if you have a guest you think should be on the show, if you want to be on the show, um, yeah, just drop me a line. Tell me your story, and, and we'll talk. And, uh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, this is the show for you guys. This is the the people's podcast. It's the fight fans podcast. And um yeah, I always like look back at the old fight message boards and I always say this is what this is like a fight the fight message board an audio version. The audio it's the audio book of the fried the fried chicken fight site. Um so but that's always kind of what I go for and I love talking to fellow fight fans and if you guys want to come on and share your story, absolutely. I uh, love it. And uh yeah, and, uh, and like I said, if you're if you just want to just drop me a line, absolutely. And if you're not on social media, which congratulations, you're smarter than the rest of us. Um, but you can send me an email, hockey fights at hot. I still have a hotmail account, hockey fights, all one word, at hotmail.com. Send me an email, absolutely. Love to hear from you guys. And like I said, good, bad, or otherwise, if you have some suggestions, I'm all ears for sure. And um, I love hearing from you guys. And I've been actually getting a lot of feedback lately, and it's been and it's been great listening, to, uh, reading it, and uh, and to, and to know uh, the people out there listening is always a humbling. It's always humbling, and um, yeah, lots of fun. And uh, I always I always thank you guys for, and I mean it for tuning in. And uh, like I said, if you're new to the show, um, I do two episodes a week, Wednesday and Sundays. I always used to say Wednesday was my interview day and Sunday was my rant episode, but they've been becoming a lot more rant episodes lately. I kind of have taken a break from the interviews in the last couple of months. Um, you know, just to, 
you know, it was getting frustrating. It was a step back, clear your head a little bit, and uh, do some Rante episodes. And like I said, I had some other things going on in my personal life, you know, with moving and everything else that it, it really didn't make. It wasn't fair for trying to line up guests where I was unsettled in my personal life. So um, I kind of stuck to doing a lot of solo episodes. And that's sort of carried on. And I've just sort of, it's been sort of, it's been a nice cleanse, uh, you know, and, uh, but I'm going to, I'm looking to get back in the, back in the saddle with the interviews and, um, yeah. And like I said, we just got to, guys just got to make some time and and our schedule's got to meet up. So, uh, but it'll happen. Like I said, I have some, I have some cool names coming that you guys will really dig. Trust me, hang in there and, uh, yeah, good stuff coming. But, uh, in the meantime, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, again, I appreciate it. And, uh, please go back and check out my back catalog. Like I said, this is episode, what is it? 191 or whatever. Yeah. 190 other shows to check out. Morasty, McIntyre, uh, Clark Wilm, Roman Bopat, Dan Kopak, Josh Mazer, Chris Graff, on and on. Go back and check them out. Joey Tedarenko, Brad Wingfeld, Frank Kovacs, yeah, Doug, Doug Smith. Um, I almost said Doug Glatt, but, uh, you know, all those cats, definitely give it a listen. And uh, I think you guys, you guys will find something you dig, but, uh, in the meantime, be good to each other. And, uh, we'll talk to everybody on Sunday. Thanks guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 